Yo, 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 what's going on, guys? Welcome back to the Big Money Barber Show. Today on the show, I have a friend, Calvin, and I respect this dude so much. He's so young. He's built a really great life for himself. He is in the real estate investing space, coaching space, just like everything real estate. He's going to dive deeper into what that looks like. And when I met Calvin a few months ago, like we really connected. And I think it was more on that entrepreneurial level. And then we connected like, we just like, we're really similar. And I think that we became friends pretty quickly. And he was telling me a lot about like what he did. And it was really impressive to me. So I wanted him to, I wanted to invite him on the show. I sent the invite. He said, yes. So I'm super stoked. And he's going to kind of go into like what he does and bring us to a, hopefully like a level of understanding that us as barbers can understand, we can digest and start to actually implement in our lives to create that financial freedom that we are all eventually looking for. So what's up, Calvin? Thank you so much for coming on the Big Money Barber Show. Go ahead and let everyone know a little bit about yourself, man. Yeah, well, can't appreciate you having me on. Uh, yeah, just some quick background on myself. I think, you know, I'm like a lot of people out there. I, you know, came up, you know, thinking that I would just work really hard in my life and I'd be very happy that way. So I actually started out selling tech uh, you know, software tech solutions here in San Francisco. And uh, I thought that that was why I'd be happy. I was going to be successful, all that stuff, all that jazz, all the stuff that we're taught, like in school and stuff, right? That like, just, you know, you get good grades, go to good school and then get a good job. And, you know, you, you buy a house and have kids and, you know, that's, that's your whole life. Right. And that's what I thought was going to be successful in my life too. And what I realized really fast was that like, once I had that, you know, and I started making some money, I was like, man, I kind of feel empty. Like this is not really fulfilling. Right. And, um, you know, that embarked me on trying to figure out how do I not have to work forever. Right. Or I guess trade my time for, for money. Right. And so, uh, you know, I, I did what a lot of same people, or I hope a lot of same people do is I, I use Google and I type in, how do I eventually quit my job? Right. And, for me, I, I had found uh, this thing called real estate, right? And now, you know, whether you like it or not, we are all real estate investors at some point in our lives, whether if, if it's with us buying our own primary house or, you know, inheriting property from our family or buying our own investment property, we all become real estate investors in some capacity. And I was like, all right, like I can dig that. I was renting at the time. And I was like, you know what, let me, let me dive more into this, right? And just consumed a bunch of knowledge and eventually, you know, use all the money I made at my, my job to buy real estate and uh, made what we call passive income, which is when your rent exceeds your expenses on your deal. And you, you basically just got to pocket that. And at one point, all that passive income exceeded my my salary. And I was like, why the heck am I working still? <laughs> right. And so it started to branch off, quit my job, which was really scary in itself. And you know, we can talk about that more, but, um, you know, created a uh, real estate, you know, program, uh, coaching one and, and two, uh, a real estate investing company where I just go out and invest stuff in a, in a bigger, bigger capacity. So that's a little background on myself, 30,000 foot view. Uh, but yeah, that's how we got to, I guess, meeting Cam and talking about entrepreneurship. Dude, that's a, that's an awesome story. So that stuff, I didn't even know about you. I didn't know you started in the, the tech space. Yeah, it's pretty cool. So quick question, how long did it take you to go from like your initial investment to where you were able to quit your job? 
Yeah. So I quit my job about five and a half years in. Uh, I it out the passive income outweighed my salary about three years in, but kind of this is where the kind of disconnect of like. I think for me, the mindset of it, I was just way yeah. too scared, right? You have that security, uh, which a lot of entrepreneurs, I think, are okay with that. But I was not in my identity of an entrepreneur back then. Mm-hmm. I was definitely my identity as a uh, individual contributor or worker. I was definitely in that, like, American dream mode back then. And it took me, like, you know, two and a half years to really shed that identity, right, into, like, you know, being an entrepreneur, being in control of your own destiny in your own time. But it's freaking scary though, dude, because you know, you have security, dude. I mean, a, a, a job is secure, man. It's you get a paycheck every month, right? And when you like you have benefits, people talk about that all the time. You get healthcare benefits, right? And when you leave all that, you're like, you're just like, all right, I gotta make it or break it kind of thing, right? Yep. And um, for me, it was a little bit easier because I had that passive confidence. I always knew that. I pay my bills, right? But at the same time, man, I was coming from a pretty high-paying tech job. My parents were like, what the heck are you doing? My, You're an uh, idiot. my friends <laughs> were like, what the heck are you doing, right? Um, and they call you crazy until you make it. And then they're like, oh, I was your biggest supporter the whole time, right? So it's quite funny how were that you, kind of reverses. Yeah, so it took you, <clears throat> so it took you three and a half years to get to a point where, if you didn't have that fear, you would have been able to quit your job and be fine. And still yeah, make yeah, the same yeah. Like if I was that like, is crazy that person, fast, and I was like, if I was that person that I was like fully confident and like knew everything, I, yeah, I would totally have done it in three years. But that was not me. <laughs> Dude, that's insane fast. That's that's like extremely inspiring to me, and hopefully you guys listening because I think for like me personally and a lot of other people who are thinking about real estate, like we think that it's this really long game that we have to play over like 10, 15, 20, 30 years before we actually reach a point to where like we can retire, I guess, or have enough passive income to like rely solely on real estate. So, I mean, what we're like, what would you say for someone who's brand new to real estate or someone who's been like maybe cutting hair for a long time and they're like, they're getting tired. You know, they want to set up that backup plan, build that retirement because unfortunately barbering is one of those jobs where there's very few barbershops or like salons that actually give a retirement. So unless you've set retirement up for yourself, like a lot of barbers are getting, you know, growing old without retirement plans. So what would you say to someone who has little experience with, with the real estate industry, but someone who wants to set themselves up for that financial freedom? Like what is the barrier to entry? How, like, how could we start that process? Yeah. So I love that, man. So I I think, the first thing is like barbers, you guys are, are creative people, right? Like every person, every hair, right? Haircut is like, is art, right? And that's why you probably got into being a barber in general, because you love like mm-hmm. designing, you know, that kind of whole aspect of it. And, um, you know, what I find is like finances are one of those things that kind of stress people out, right? And it kind of like, it's always in the back of people's mind, right? But if you didn't have that, for example, you'd be able to like, you will be free and like do the things that you want to do, right? Choose, right? What do you do with your time and your energy? Right? I, I imagine like a, uh, I was talking, I was just talking to some musicians the other day, right? And they're like, Hey, like, we just want to like, you know, we just want to be able to play music, like how we want to play music and express ourselves that way. And they're like, we can't because if we're musicians and we need to make money, then we got to go to the freaking corporations and say like, what do you guys want? And then kind of sell their soul in that way. Right. In a way. So Kind of similar to barbers as well, where it's like, hey, you want you want to choose to be able to do this because you love to, not because you have to. 
And so you're right. I mean, I, when I was selling uh, tech and, and payroll and actually sold healthcare too, uh, to barber shops in, in San Francisco, uh, that was like one of the big things was they didn't have healthcare. They didn't have a security or, or 401k, right? They were just making uh, either salary or they were renting seats and just making, you know, they're entrepreneurs, right? In a way. And mm-hmm. so, you know, what I say to that is like, you know, don't just let, you know, other people decide your fate in your life, right? You, you got to take it in your control. Now, it could be real estate, it could be other things, it, it could be stocks, it could be crypto, it could be you know, NFTs, whatever, whatever your, your vehicle is. But just know that, you know, real estate, for example, money, they're just vehicles, right, to be able to live the life that you want to live, right? And so if you're just starting out and, and you know, believe me, man, I've, I've been, you know, in that point where right when I first started my career in, in tech, right, I was not making money. I think I was making like 40 grand a year. Right. Like I was making absolutely nothing. Right. And living in San Francisco, which basically like that's like my worse than minimum wage. Yeah. 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 Costco workers were making more than me. Right. And um, and so what I learned from that and I'm really grateful for that experience is that like one, like we saved all of our like expenses. Right. So anything I earned in commissions, I saved and I, I just bought assets with it. Right. So it's assets versus liabilities. Right. So assets are things that will make you money. Right? Your money working for your own liabilities are things that will not make you money. Things like cars or you know watches or expenses, like all the keeping up with the Joneses type situations, right? So um, when I first got in, I w- I thought that was cool, right? So I bought all the new shit, all the new stuff. I go out all the yeah. time, you know, you get bottle service, blah, 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 right? And, um, you know, and I thought I was making money, right? And uh, looking at my bank account, I was like, oh, I'm, I'm not making money. I'm actually losing money every month. So kind of kicked my ass a little bit. And this is anything that something that everyone can do, right? It's just the simple aspect of just understanding what your finances are, right? So looking at your mm-hmm. income and expenses every month, if you can't tell me what your kind of range of monthly expenses are, then you are not in control of your money. Your money is in control of you, right? So that's the very first thing that we did. And it's a gut punch for some people. It was a gut punch for me, right? You're, oh, I thought I was making money. I'm actually not, right? So that's number one. And then two is then, okay, now how can you start to... Uh, lower your expenses or not like, you know, as you make more money, right? Like keep your expenses flat. I think that trap is that a lot of people make more money and they're like, I'm making more money. I'm going to spend more money. Mm-hmm. But really what you should be doing, especially when you're younger is you should be making more money. Sure. But you should be keeping it flat or even decreasing it. Right. So your gap of profit is bigger and you can use all that profit to do what invest in assets, right? Whether it's real estate or stocks or whatever it is, things are going to help you make money in the future. And so first step was that was just understanding our finances. And um, the very first deal I actually did was um, I bought a one bedroom condo in the city. And uh, I, yeah, we had a den. It was maybe like, you know, 50 square feet, maybe less than that. It doubled as a laundry room. I rented that, that bad boy out. Right. And put a curtain up. And I rented it out for 1200 bucks. My mortgage was two grand. I rented that out for $1,200, right? So my monthly expense was only $800. In San Francisco, that's really cheap, right? I was paying like $1,600 just to rent a room with five other dudes in the city. Now I have my own condo with one other person I was renting out to um, and and minimizing my mortgage. So we call that house hacking. And I think it's a great entryway strategy to get into real estate um, by a house with multiple bedrooms, rent out the other bedrooms, buy a duplex, right? Uh, with low money down, because uh, you can do that with your first time, when you're first time buying, and then rent out the other unit. And hopefully the other units will pay for your whole mortgage, 
And now you've lowered your biggest expense, which is typically housing. So yeah, just controlling your finances. Yeah, that's a really good, that's a really good tactic, especially for people who are single or even if they're just not married with kids, like you don't even have to be single. If you're not married with kids, like that's such a good, it's just kids. It's just kids. If yeah. you don't have kids, you can, you can do it. Well, yeah, that's true. Just yeah. kids. Yeah. Cause me and my, me and my, my wife now girlfriend at the time, I mean, she was, she was down, right? Like she was, yeah, that sounds great. Right. She was actually house hacking me. Cause she had also bought a house and she was renting all her rooms and then she would come with me and she actually rented out her bedroom at her house and just lived with me. And I didn't nice. even know that she was like living with me. Right. Like she was just <laughs> like, it was over. So she's just, yeah, here all the so time. she was, she was house hacking me. <laughs> she was house nice. hacking a hacker. Right. So Dude, that's, that's dope. So, okay. So that was like the first step. First step was budgeting. And then the second you did was you started house hacking. Yeah. Yeah. So, so house that's... hacking, yeah. From there, right. Then what happens is you're lower, you lower your expenses, right? So my expense mm-hmm. went down from two grand to $800, right? So I just hacked that in half. My monthly expenses were like 2,400 bucks a month, right? And I can tell you that. I still remember that because I, I used to read all my credit card bills and all that stuff like once a week and just understand where my finances were. So yeah, and then we started making more money, right? So that cap got bigger and bigger. So everything that I earned and profited, right? I basically just saved up enough and I started buying real estate with that. Um, you know, for me, I live in California, so it is expensive here. So I actually didn't buy in California. I actually bought out of state in Texas. At the time I bought like $140,000 uh, single family house. It was my first house. And uh, yeah, and then just, you know, learned a lot of mistakes from that, but like mm-hmm. learned from it. Right. And like you said, real estate, it is a long term game. I mean, people do think it's like, oh, yeah, I just invest in one deal in the first year, I'll become a millionaire. That's not how it works. Right. Like yeah. it is like a three to five to 10 to 15 year game. Right. Like if you buy real estate for the long term, you're going to be fine. Right. And, you know, so that's kind of the, the, the total baseline knowledge of that is like we just saved up. Now we, we're lowering expenses. We're making more money. We use all of our income profit not to buy freaking Chanel bags or Gucci sunglasses, right? We wore, you know, the most basic stuff. We go to free happy hours and use all of our, our saving income and bought real estate with that, right? And yeah, had our real estate appreciate, refinanced it, meaning that we took some money out of that and bought more real estate with that, right? Now our assets are buying more assets and are making and we're making cash flow from that. So now we're making even more money, right? And we're, our expenses were staying flat. We were not spending more. And then we just kept on, and then we kept on making more money, right? Uh, from our passive income and our job, right? And we stacked both those now and bought more real estate with that. And then this whole compound effects started nice. to happen, right? And yeah, three years, I would say is really fast, right? And um, I'm not yeah. saying that that's, you know, for everyone. And, and you know, we definitely got lucky. Uh, we definitely put the work in as well, Um we bought right. I think that's another thing too. I think people will start to like get over leverage and all that stuff. But um, yeah, we were just, you know, we kind of were in the right situation and, and did, you know, when opportunity meets uh, preparedness, that's when you're, that's when, you know, you can get stuff done. Right. So, yep. uh, so yeah. Um, I have a question for you. And then also just something I want to talk about to the audience. So guys, when he talks about not buying like the cool stuff, what's cool, buying all the flashy stuff. That's a huge problem in our industry. Like if you go to a hair show, you will see barbers who like don't make a lot of money, but they have a gold chain with diamonds in it. And I'm like, (laughs) bro, 
that was your first house. Like literally that was your first house. Instead, you just want to look cool on the internet. So think about this guys, when you guys are like, you see all these influencers in our industry and they're just being really flashy and they're flexing online. That's not, I mean, that shouldn't be, I mean, if that's the life you want to live, go for it. But if you really want to create financial freedom and set yourself up for the long term, like those are not the things you should be doing because likes and follows are not going to pay the bills in 10 years. Houses, other assets, businesses, that's what's going to pay the bills. Another thing. So you mentioned your first house you bought in Texas. So could you explain why? Um, I think I know, but could you explain why you decided to buy in Texas versus California? Yeah. For your well, first, first time. Off, really expensive in California, right? Yeah. So, you know, we were kind of tapped out on our funds there. So a couple of things. I mean, when we're looking for markets, I mean, there's really three main things that I'd always recommend to people, right? One is you want population growth. Right? You want people where people are actually going to. Uh, you don't want to be in like... Detroit, right, where people were leaving like crazy, right? You want to be yeah. in where things are happening, right? Like industries is happening. So population growth, uh, job growth is kind of a precursor to that as well. Like if there's more jobs, people are going to come there. Like look at Austin, for example, the last few years. Florida has been has, mm -hmm. has had a huge migration pattern. Um, so you guys live in actually a, a fantastic market for that. Um, and then wage growth, right? Because as there's more industries, more jobs, more uh, people get paid and you know, more people get paid, the more prices go up, right? Or more people can afford and rent. Um, and then the one aspect, the bonus uh, thing I'd always say there too is uh, you want to have uh, multiple industries, economic diversity in that market, right? And um, mm, interesting. Why that is for, and this is for for passive income, right? Not for uh, appreciation growth. It's because when you have an industry that is relying on just one industry, that industry goes down hard, the whole market gets hit, right? Because yeah, like, look, oh, like yeah, Detroit, that makes sense. Yeah, yeah Detroit, like with the car industry. Yeah. The car industry in got Detroit. hit in 08, yeah. 09, but guess what? Like the barbers there, the uh, doctors there, the nail salon people there, they're all in the automobile industry, right? Because if the auto industry goes sour, then people- Their are clientele, not their whole clientele. Their whole clientele is gone, right? Like, they're, gone. Yeah. yeah, they're not, they don't have any money to, to do anything, right? So- so that's like the the one thing that I always say too, because like even where I live, San Francisco, it's a boomer bust town, right? Like you know, it's 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 very tech driven. Like there's some finance and stuff like that, but it's tech, right? Like it's it's a hundred percent tech. And uh, you can see right now, I mean, like you know, when tech got hit super hard this last couple of years, like a year or so, right? Because all the VC money dried up, uh, you know, like a lot less people were buying homes, right, and things like that. So. Uh, but you know, when things hit hard, right. When tech comes back or we're seeing it right now with AI, it's actually coming back pretty hard. It's going to go, it's going to go up like crazy. Right. And when it gets hit hard, it goes down real, real bad. Right. And it goes up real bad. And, and, but like places like, you know, we like Texas or the Midwest and South that have a lot of economic diversity, Texas, maybe a lot less so, but I also invest in like Alabama and Tennessee, for example. Um, they don't have the bigger like gains and like drops. It's very like flat. It's very like, just like. Like, like boring vanilla like you said like just you know three to but five safe percent, safe right? right it doesn't yeah. go up or down very much you're not gonna like buy a yacht from that right but you're gonna cash flow right because rents pretty much do the same thing right boom and then appreciation it's like very flat and like little up right um so yeah it just you know those kind of markets do have that diversity and, and like you said before with the chains and the conferences it's not like you can't buy that it's just deferring it 
just defer yeah. until you actually have like what I always say is like have the assets to pay for that. Right. For example, when I wanted to buy my first nice car, like I deferred it forever, right? Like, mm-hmm. like I drove a, a a really old BMW for a long, long time that I've had since like college. Yeah, it got to a point finally, this is like, I don't know, three, four years ago, my car door wouldn't open. <laughs> my driver, and I remember I was playing golf. My buddies were pretty well off. They roll up and they're like Range Rovers and they're like, you know, Porsche Cayennes and stuff. And I'm in my like old ass BMW getting out of the passenger seat. And I was like, like all right, you know what? And that, this is like when I had like money and I was like, all right, like I should probably upgrade. But then I, what I did is I used my asset and I was like, right, what's a monthly payment on, on this type of car? Right. All right, cool. Let me use my asset to buy and, and pay for my, my, my lifestyle. Interesting. Not the way around. Yeah. Yeah. So you, in that instance, so you, you knew what your car payment would look like. So did you go and purchase an asset that would cash flow enough that would create enough money to pay that on its own? Or did you just dedicate a current asset that you had to like, all right, this is my Range Rover house or whatever car you bought. (laughs) Yeah. So I did, I had like this 16 unit that I bought uh, that when I bought it, I was like, all right, like I'm going to use this and, you know, buy a car with it right and um and uh i didn't i guess I'm, you know i'm cheap like that and even when it was you know i had the money coming in i was like oh this is nice right and i just didn't you know didn't buy the car and then finally that trigger event of like you know being at golf and like having to get on my passenger seat i was like all right you know what like i this is this was my port is my it's my porsche fund right like this was yeah. the car, this is the house i was gonna buy, buy it anyway so i'm actually gonna deploy it now so my Payment was, you know, X, Y, Z. It was, you know, a thousand bucks a month. And I, you know, I'll, I'll take a thousand dollars from the cash flow every month and just pay for my, my Porsche. Yeah. That's so dope, dude. That's so dope. Yeah. Yeah. That's like the really interesting part of real estate to me is creating that cash flow. Like actually hunting down the deals. I think uh, I need someone's help with that. Yeah. But um, yeah, man. So that's really interesting. And okay. So I have a couple more questions. Sounds like how many really quick, how many properties do you currently own? Uh, we have about 232. Nice, dude. Nice. Rookie numbers, bro. <laughs> 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 it's all relative. 232. I, know, I got people, I know friends are like 10,000. I'm like, okay, all right. <laughs> oh yeah. It is relative to me who owns just my own house. Like 232 is crazy. Like that's massive. Yeah. Um, so a lot of people... Okay. So you were able to build all this in a really, really quickly. So what I'm wondering is like, what do you think? I mean, this, this too is kind of a hard question to answer. I know it depends on like the market, but so you said first time buyers can buy homes with 0% down. Not is that what you said. Down. You can buy it. With, okay. Uh, I mean, I've seen them as low as like, like 2% down, but really 2% you're probably looking at, Three percent, I'd say, is pretty safe. You can get three to five percent, and then um, as a, it's called like a first-time FHA loan, a first-time homeowners loan, right? So, yeah, um, yeah, three to five percent. I mean, it, it makes it very affordable for people. So, a great strategy, right? This is what if I were to, to turn back the clock, and that, you know, yeah. even my students, I, I, I you know, people ask me all the time, like, what, what, what would be the best thing to do? It's the house hack. I'd use your first homeowners uh, loan. You put five percent down. Right, buy as many units as possible with that. So duplex, fourplex, three triplex, 
even if you're, you know, if you're single and not have kids, right? If you don't have kids, you buy probably like a four bedroom house or five bedroom house and rent out the other rooms. If you are cool with that lifestyle, right? Uh, if you're not, then, you know, duplex, you know, fourplex, whatever it is, put low, low money down and then try to rent out all the other rooms and, you know, see that that covers your mortgage. And that'll be huge for you. Your first house is not supposed to be your dream house. Your first house is the thing that's going to help you slingshot into financial freedom if you choose right. And I think a lot of people make that mistake of like, I'm going to buy my dream house, the first house. No, well, that's, like, the, that's the American dream. That's what everyone is told. Like, hey, you grow up, you get a job, you buy your house, you live there forever, and you die there. Yeah. Dude, the American dream doesn't work for us anymore. I mean, millennials especially yeah. and Gen Z's, like it does not work for us. Maybe yeah. back in the day, when freaking all like this stuff baby that boomer days yeah. yeah the baby boomer yeah. days it works right and like our parents days it worked because you can mm -hmm. have a single household no side hustle and afford to live very comfortably nowadays you cannot right house prices have gone up like crazy um you know groceries inflation like all that stuff's gone up a lot so you, there's, a, there's a cool graph actually i'll have to send it to you after but um, it goes over like uh home prices to wage increases over the last 25 years uh, it's probably awful <laughs> oh it's crazy like wages have gone up it's kind of like i don't know like six percent or something like that but real estate it's gone up like 60 percent. so it's like yes the american dream did work back then i think the american dream is is dead if you are following the american dream right now you're in trouble because you're, you're in trouble forever. Yeah, yeah yeah it's like nowadays you can't even just work by you can't just like have a job and be able to retire ever like you have to have like a side hustle nowadays right to like oh 100 percent. i mean now even like the government's like threatening social security all the time and i'm like if you relied on that like yeah you're in I trouble on that an our generation <laughs> definitely like, not that's like way yeah. too far out you're screwed yeah like, if you're banking on social security then that is not hope is not a strategy <laughs> so that's yeah that's also another thing that i think that a lot of people who are getting into this in me included like never really thought about looking outside of our market and do you think that a lot of new, new real estate investors or people who are considering investing in real estate kind of just stick to their own market because that's like where they're comfortable and that's what they know about? And for people who live in really expensive areas, like where I live now, um, when we first moved here, it wasn't bad. But since COVID and stuff like this area has blown up, like house, I think my house has gained like, like 25% in property value in like the last year and a half, two years. Yeah, which is pretty wild. So like most people can't, a lot of people can't afford to buy real estate here or it's extremely competitive. So the barrier to entry is really hard. So would you recommend that people who want to buy their first house look outside their area? It depends, right? I think it depends on where you live and your competitive advantage, right? If you have a competitive advantage in a different area than rock and roll, like let's say you moved here from uh, another state nursery that you were very familiar with and you still have family over there and it's cheaper than your market, then yeah, that's a huge competitive advantage. Um, you know, my, in Dallas, my first market, my competitive, I had an aunt that lived there. Right. And I was like, all right, I'm comfortable with that. I like Dallas as a market. Plus I have family, extended family that lives there. So I feel at least comfortable that my family could check on it. Um, and it was a lot cheaper than California, Florida, same thing, right? Like if you can't afford to be in your market, I would be in your market, right? Like, I think it's, yeah. if you can like drive by your property, if you can manage your contractors and manage property managers better, right? You can do it better locally, no doubt, yeah. right? Now, is that a necessity nowadays? It is not, right? Like, I think I get that question all the time because in 
<laughs> the baby boomer range, people are like, oh no, there's no way you can own a property thousands of miles away, right? But guess what? We have what? We have technology. We have Zoom right now. You're in Florida, I'm in California yeah. right now. We're talking, right? Like it looks like we're freaking back in Nashville hanging out, right? Like it's the same thing. We have Google Maps. You can walk neighborhoods. We have crime maps. We have the internet. We have all that stuff that you can actually get a lot of data from nowadays. Whereas back then, you know, how people found deals, literally, this is how, you know, my parents' generation, you call an agent up, they'd be like, hey, I want to buy a house. And they'd be like, all right, cool. Let me see what's on the market. They get a book and look at every freaking listing, right? They're like, all right, like what's available? The pictures. See, right? Oh, here's an address. Let's go drive by it, right? We have Zillow. We have Redfin now. We have all this technology nowadays that can help us do it. And it's all on our smartphone, right? Like, <laughs> Yeah, literally all on a phone. So, yeah. So, you know, if you can do it in your market, sure. I think it's always better, right? Um, but if not, it's not a necessity. You can always go out of your market and, you know, uh, do it. And, you know, I think that's something that we specialize in a lot is like teaching you how to do stuff out of the market and feel comfortable. I haven't even been to 50% of my houses. Right. Um, that's so dope though. That's so dope. So yeah, cool. Yeah. I, it's, I always think it's funny when like, I go to a market and I'm like, oh, I should probably look at that house. I've never been in it. Seen, I probably just go in just to check it out. Like after you did a virtual tour, it's close. Virtual tour, but yeah, and that's where you have to have that trust. You build a good right with uh, agents. I've got some awesome agents out there that I just freaking trust, and they're like family to me. Um, You know, so you know that's yeah, that's that's how you do it. (laughs) So, okay, so one of the things that Calvin does is he runs a coaching business, and this is what you teach, right, in your coaching business. Yeah. Or, or, yeah. Yep. Okay. So like what, if someone was interested in getting help doing this, what level of people are you typically working with? Are you working with all levels? Are you working with beginners? And like, what would someone expect if they got help with this? What should someone yeah, expect? So the majority, so 90% of our students are people that were like us right, when we first started off, right? Like this is like a I understand, I think what real estate is, it's a house, right? But I don't know where to go from there, right? Um, my opinion on this is, and this is just my opinion, so you know, take it with a grain of salt, but like every single person is different than what they want out of real estate as a vehicle, right? Like yeah. you're, you have different goals and aspirations than I do because you also have different, uh, a different lifestyle. You have a kid. I don't have a kid, right? You have mm-hmm. uh, different financial situations. You have a different risk tolerance than I do, right? So what is a good deal for Cam is 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 it different than what's a good deal for Calvin and vice versa, right? And I hate when I see online when you see gurus, air quotes gurus, saying like, oh yeah, here's the one size fits all way to make millions of dollars in real estate. There's no such thing. <laughs> there is a right way for Cam to do this. There's a right way for Calvin to do this, right? So what we like to do is take an approach of like, all right, how do we how do we structure a game plan for Cam, right? To say like, okay, if he wants to hit you know, 10K a month, the next three to five years, right? The passive income. And he has a starting capital of 20 Gs, right? How do you get there? What kind of deals do you need to hit and actually do? Because there's a bajillion different ways to do real estate. And um, again, like every everyone's going to have a different path. So what we teach is just making it easier of one, just understanding why you're doing it, but then understanding what a game plan is. Like versus in when I started out, I was just told real estate is pretty dope and you should do it. And I was like, all right, cool. Real estate is dope. I should go do it. Right. And I, I use a shotgun approach of like, I'm just going to do a deal and see how it works out. Right. And it wasn't never ever, ever like a game plan. Of like, this is kind of how, this is methodically how you approach stuff. Like every deal you do, it's getting you a lot closer to your goal. 
that's what we do nowadays, right? But I didn't yeah, know that. Strategy now. There's strategy now. Yeah, just like a business. It's like when you're running a barber shop, right? Like, okay, well, how many seats do we got? All right, okay, we got to rent out this. And how much we got to charge for haircuts? We do all that stuff and we're at capacity, then we can make XYZ revenue. It's the same concept, right? And it's like, we do that for our businesses. Like we do that at work, but we never do it for ourselves. Mm-hmm. Right? And real estate, my 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 viewpoint on that is it's, it's this, this is personal for you, right? This is generational wealth, right? That you're creating for yourself and your family. And so, yeah, what we're trying to do is just, you know, help people create a game plan and then, and then tactically, like you said, understand like how to actually do this. What market do I pick? You know, how do I build a team? How do I analyze deals? You know, how do I operate, you know, deals, right? So all the different aspects of, you know, real estate, we'd like to just hold people's hands on and, and guide them to, uh, you know, how to get to the end goal that isn't real estate, right? The end goal is not real estate. The outcome is hopefully getting your time back, right? Yeah. Uh, so freedom, freedom is yeah, most yeah. freedom. Yeah, exactly. So that's, dude, that sounds really awesome because I feel like I've done a lot of coaching and I've taken a lot of courses. I mean, over the last five years, I've spent six figures in coaching. And one thing that is extremely apparent to me is that there are a lot of coaches and those gurus out there who are going to tell you that like, this is the way to do it. And then they're just going to, once you pay them, they're just going to give you like a bunch of videos and like, you need to follow this exact structure. And if you don't, like you're going to fail, but it sounds like what you guys do is literally completely the opposite. Like you tailor a plan for your client or whoever's working with you. And then you hold their hand through the process. Yep. hundred percent. And you know why people, uh, the gurus do it that way? Cash flow. Hands off. It's hands off, right? Like hands off. It's hands off. I don't have to get on calls with you. I just charge you and you pay me and hope maybe it works out. And that's, and and that's why, you know, I think why we connected a lot too, is like, I think the biggest thing that both, you know, a trait that you and I can share a lot is like, you care, you just care about your people, right? Like if you care about your people, which means that you're not going to just like say, Hey, cool. Here's a course, go watch the videos, you know, good luck. Right. It's Hey, you know, come join my community of people that care about you as well as I care about you. And let me hold your hand through this because every freaking real estate deal, every barber shop, every barber is different, right? Like I've not done a single deal where it's just cut, cop, cut and paste, right? There's no such thing, right? Like you, you just have to have that deep understanding of like how to do stuff and then adapt to like, all right, well, what are my different exit strategies? What do I have to do here? Like in this situation, right? Like in this house, the pipes are old like that. In that house, the pipes are new, but you got this issue, right? So there's never the same thing. So it's like, what do I have to do in each situation? And yeah, we want to hold people's hand because I didn't have that growing up and I, I wish I did. And that three years, yeah, you know, I think it, it could have been faster than that, right? If I you know, really was like balls to the wall and I knew exactly what I was doing, right? But yep. I think the word I want to go for, and I think you do this a lot too, your, your, uh, your program, it's like, it's empowering. It's empowering others mm-hmm. to succeed. Right. Like my, and Brittany says this a lot too. I love it. That's, she always says, you know, her uh, ceiling should be your floor. Right. Meaning that you shouldn't be the same sex I did because I'm teaching you to avoid this. Yeah. Right? Like, yeah. That's so what true. What I've done should be, you know, the bottom of what you can do. So, yeah. I think as a coach too. And I mean, to me, it's really obvious that you care about your people, especially just by how you structure your coaching. And it's not all hands-off, like you're actually hands-on so that you, you're creating this certainty that people will actually succeed if they're willing to do the work, right? And you're going to help them do that. 
another thing is, is like, I think that it's really important for people to understand that when you, so in the barber industry and barbers, when I tell a lot of barbers and barbershop owners that I have like coaches and how much I pay those coaches. And like, sometimes I have two or three coaches at a time. They think I'm crazy. They're like, what? And I'm like, yeah, dude, like, how do you think I'm able to do everything that I do? Like, I mean, I have a successful barbershop that's like five times more profitable than the national average. I have a school. I was making a hundred thousand dollars a day or a hundred thousand dollars cutting two days a week as a barber. Like those are all unheard of things in the barber industry, especially as only being a barber for like four years when I started hitting those landmarks. And it's all because I was willing to invest in coaches. So guys, if there's something that you really want to accomplish, it is, it can really be expedited by hiring a coach. So if real estate, I'm not, and I'm not trying to like just plug Calvin here. I'm being really honest that coaching actually changed my life and my career. So not only is Calvin coach, but Calvin, how's coaching helped you? Cause I know that you've had coaches. Yeah, man. So I love that you said that. And it was a, a mindset shift in the beginning for me. I remember my first coaching, uh, mastermind I joined, it was 30 grand. I had, we had five grand in our bank account. Max 30 grand sounds crazy. But when, once you get, once you get into this world, you're like 30 grand. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Not yeah, bad. Not yeah. bad. Yeah. yeah. And you got to think about it too. It's like 30 grand, you know, that was for a year, but it's like, all right, what was that divided by 12? And really it's like, all right, it's, it's, it's a month by month contract. If you really think yeah. about it. Right. And it's like, it's just like an employee. It's like you, you know, people are so scared to hire people, but it's like, well, really it's like, well, it's not a whole year salary you're paying up front. It's like every month, is this person going to cut it or not? Right. And yeah. so, um, my, yeah, we, we've had so many coaches and, you know, one of my coaches always said like, you want to invest 10% into yourself of what you want to make. Right. And so, you know, today, today, fast forward to today's world, we have like five coaches in different aspects of our lives. Right. Yeah. We spend this year will definitely be the most we spend on coaching, but, uh, we'll probably spend more than 200 grand this year on ourselves and coaching, right? And us being yeah. students and coaches in different aspects. We have a spirituality coach, I think I was telling you about, right? We have, yep. uh, Brittany's one of our coaches, right? She's not chief. She probably makes up 50% of that. But <laughs> <laughs> um, and we have, uh, I have, you know, I have a real estate coach, you know, I have masterminds, you know, uh, we have business coaches. Um, so, you know, it's helped. It, and you said something there that I love. It's like a coach is going to get you there a lot faster and with a lot of mistakes, right? Like you can, anyone can do this, man. There's YouTube out there. Anyone can understand the tactics of stuff. Um, and you can go try and go do it. But like I said, like YouTube, a lot of gurus out there, like I said, they're just conceptual versus yep. actual, right? And the big difference between that is in your actual situation, you're going to need like a board of directors, a, gui- a guidance of like, what do we, what do I think I, I should do next? What's my move for my personal situation? And no YouTube video is going to help you do that because no. it's all conceptual high level. They don't know your situation. I was listening to a podcast this morning and they're talking about some real estate stuff. And, you know, I was like, this is great data, but that doesn't really apply to me because, you know, my portfolio is different than what they're talking about. Right. And so, yeah. You know, just you got to be able to under, internalize that, and coaches can help you basically accelerate that, right? And do stuff a lot faster. Another thing, and that's yeah, man. And money loves speed. Like money loves speed. It's like the faster yeah. you can, yeah. And like, who who wants to wait forever to accomplish their goals? Like I don't, and I hope none of you guys do. But I think another great thing that coaching does is, like you mentioned, like YouTube. We can go on Google, social media. We have 
we can find a million solutions to our problem, but we don't have the certainty anymore. Like we used to have before all of this, like before all of this, we would go to college or we would read books or we had mentors. Right. And like, we had very little options to go to for solutions. Now we have these thousands of solutions, but no one really knows which one works for them. Right. Cause you're just finding random stuff. Like you said, you can find anything on YouTube for free, but there's yeah. absolutely zero certainty that that's actually going to work. So you're just sending it and like, you're just taking risk. Like yeah. that's saying a, what code. That's such a funny thing, dude. Like, cause on Google or YouTube, you can find whatever you want to find. You'll find right. Literally it's like literally like hey, a solution for this, but that's going to, you know, whatever solution that you're already going toward, you're going to have that solution on there. Right. And then you could just feed yourself to that. Right. So the internet is such a, it's a, it's a scary place. It is right. Because whatever you want to find, you will find, right. Whether that's right or wrong, you will find articles. We'll find it. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, wrong, 100%. But, yeah. 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 So I think that's the cool thing that coaches do is like most coaches, if they're good coaches have done and accomplished what they're teaching and they're very certain and they know exactly how to get you to those goals. And I mean, you're a good example because I mean, you have 232 properties. That is not a small amount of properties. So if I'm someone who doesn't know shit about real estate, like you're probably a pretty good guy to listen to. And I imagine that you know what you're doing. I mean, yeah, 22, well, I, 200 properties don't just fall in your lap. Yeah. But I also think that on top of that, like you said, I think the best coaches, and you can tell this, are the coaches that are always learning and growing still. 100%. If yeah. your coach, if your coach is like, oh yeah, I know everything, you should probably run the other way. Yeah. If your coach is like, I'm constantly grown and I always call it beginner's mindset, right? It's like, you all, even a coach should have a beginner's mindset mm -hmm. because things change fast. The, the barber industry changed. The real estate industry has changed so fast, right? So I'm constantly networking, going to conferences and learning and, and hiring coaches. So because I want to be able to stay ahead of the curve versus, you know, like, yeah, you stuck in my old ways. The, the strategies of people that were investing in, real estate in the eighties, they were so using today. You'd be in trouble. <laughs> yeah. hundred percent. You would be in deep trouble. And that's one of the problems in the barber industry is that, the business model, the business model that's most commonly used in the barber industry is just such a terrible business model. And it's like not evolving rapidly yeah. enough. Is that, is that the renting of seats? Well, oh, yeah. 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 That model. Okay. Yeah, yeah. I just I don't understand why anyone well, would capped. open it. Yeah. Why would you open a yeah. business to cap it? Like, yeah. all right, I'm going to open this barber shop and the most I could ever make is four thousand dollars. Like, yeah. that sounds awful. You better open 50. Yeah. But um, yeah. so yeah, that's one of those, that's a good example of why it's so important to always be moving and use like having that forward momentum. Otherwise you get stuck just like our industry is. And a lot of people listening to this, they know exactly what I'm talking about. Um, It's actually funny guys. It's not a bad thing for your coach to have coaches. Like one of my coaches now, which I was something I learned. Like when I first got my coach, I'm like, why do you have a coach? Like you're a coach, like, shouldn't yeah. you know everything? But then it, it was like really valuable to me. So one of my coaches now, I don't know if you're familiar with Dan Henry, most likely he's like extremely successful digital marketer, super okay. successful digital marketer. Like Russell Brunson kind of situation. Uh, he's not on Russell Brunson's level, but I mean, he's like tens of millions of dollars a year successful. Okay. Yeah. 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 in digital marketing. So like my coach just paid him a hundred grand for two days in person. 
And to me, that's extremely valuable because my coach goes and does that. And now he comes back to our community and delivers the content to us at no extra cost. So yeah. I'm getting all this insane amount of value because I paid my coach a flat fee one time. Now he's going and he's pulling from all these different coaches in our industry and bringing us value from coaches that charge like I, I'm not paying too much. Like I would not pay a hundred thousand dollars for two days. Like I don't have that kind of money. Yeah. But, um, so like, it's just crazy what, what this world looks like when you get into coaching and how beneficial it really is. Yeah. It's so, so beneficial, man. It's like, yeah. it's such a freaking gasoline on the fire for people. And oh, yeah. I, I was such a detractor of that in the beginning. I was like, Oh no, I can do this all myself. Right. But then you get coached and it, it works and you're like, Whoa, why have I not been doing this? So sort of like that, you know, like 30 grand or first mastermind, right? Like you alluded to this earlier. It's like, at that point, it was very expensive and it scared the crap out of me. Yeah. Nowadays, like we just signed up for a hundred grand coaching, right? That's just like, you know, your friend, not not for two days, for a whole year, but a uh, hundred grand coaching. And I looked at my wife and she looked at me and we're like, cool, sounds good. Right. So that, you know, that, that mindset changes for sure, where you should make that 30 grand feel like nothing, right? Like that yep. 10 grand, feels like nothing to me now, right? Like, oh yeah, yeah, I'm 10 grand. Like, I, yeah, I invested in that, sure, right? Versus like, you know, years ago, Calvin would be like, oh my God, let's let's relax on that. <laughs> yeah, and it's part of like growing. I think that everyone who probably gets a coach initially feels like this unless they've, like the first coach that we got, I remember we were paying $800 a month and we got we only got one hour of Zoom time every other week. So I was paying $400 an hour for this coach, but we were also extremely desperate in that time. Like our barbershop was at a point where we were literally like, all right, this is awful. Cause we opened with the booth rent model and you have all the problems with no payout of being a business owner. We're like we're either going to close this down and like, just like work in a two chair place, just me and you, or we need to figure out how to make this work. So we decided to hire a coach. We hired that coach. We were paying, I remember when they told us how much it was, I was like, it's, it's what? $400 an hour. Like, <laughs> but then two years later, three years later, our barbershop is cash flowing six figures a year, like without me having to cut hair. And I'm like, $400 an hour to have that was literally like nothing. It yeah. was worth every single penny, every yep. single penny. And so now, like when I buy coaching, I have that, I mean, you also have to have a good coach, but there's that belief shift now that I had that I think everyone goes through with their first coach. If it was a good coach, like, all right. Yeah. Like you said, this is like legit, like this is better than going to college. Yeah. Like, or they're choosing... college, right. Like, or they're like, Oh yeah, that was a terrible experience. I'm like a waste of money again. So yeah. If it's a bad coach, like, but, yeah. but like you, you've been to college college is such a crazy example. I mean, I went to college. I paid a lot of money for college and it's like, I don't use anything I learned <laughs> anymore, but you, but you're so, because society says it's, it, that's the right thing to do, right? Yeah. To go to college. 100%. But really, what do you get? You spend a hundred grand, you know, on call uh, on a piece of paper that you actually don't use for anything. Whereas people are so scared to spend 30 grand on something that actually makes your business a hundred grand plus six figures plus a, a year. That's such a great yeah. like, thing with the ROI that you spend 12 grand essentially, right? If your first coaching business or your first yeah. coach. Rough, yeah. It was like yeah, 10. Maybe six figures a year pass forever. Forever. forever that roi is insane right it's like the roi is infinite on that like the i mean within the first five years it was like i mean like 5000 x or yeah. something or, or 500 x i don't know i'm terrible at math that's why i cut yeah. hair but, but, but um, yeah 
And you built now, now kind of someone on you, man, like the cool thing about your business, right? It's like, you've now built a, uh, a six figure passive business that you have forever right yeah. now. People, you know, now here's like kind of the, the, the kind of trade-off it's like, you can try to work your ass off and have active income, right? Trade your time for money and, 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 and probably, you know, make more than what you're making now, or you could build a business where it's all passive. You don't have to cut hair anymore. Right. And it's all passive. That's that's time freedom right there, right? Yeah. And it's a very sellable business still, right? And I think that's kind of the 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 kind of other step for your, your barbers and your listeners is like you know I think businesses creating you know business like a barber shop like 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 you create a cam that's very scalable, right? Because now you made it a business where you can franchise it out, you can you know sell it, right? Because if I'm a buyer of a barber shop, well actually one of my ex clients or old clients when I was selling tech, I was telling you about him actually. Like he made, yeah. he like basically has like six barbershops now, but like he doesn't work. He, he basically bought the original one and then just made it big. Right. And just focused on marketing. And, uh, but he can sell that business because he doesn't work a freaking day. He's, a, he's, yeah. he's not even a barber. He came from like finance or something like that. Right. And so he can sell that business, right. For whatever EBITDA you guys have six figures plus, right. I mean, your EBITDA gotta be at least like three to four X, right. Someone wants a, a business person wants to buy that cash flow and you can have a huge exit, right? Like that's, yeah. That's an awesome too. And that's an awesome way to also, or you can just keep the cash flow for forever too. And you know, that's nice. Yeah. And that's like with um the original or like regular uh booth rent barbershop, like your barbershop's only worth the assets inside, like the barber chairs, you know, the stuff on the wall. Like that's why whenever you see a barbershop for sale, it's like twelve thousand dollars. I'm like, oh man, dude, you put 40 years of your life into there and it's for sale for 12 grand. Like, what a sad thing. Like literally yeah. hurts. Yeah, that hurts. I mean, like, yeah. why, why were you working all that time? And you have, you, you obviously made the cash flow. That's probably why, right? They're making cash flow. But it's, I mean, the, the cash flow will get you out of your job. Equity, I would say, will make you freaking wealthy. That's when you can buy the gold chain and, you know, yeah, and flex if you want to. But like, um, man, yeah, if you grind and create that equity in your, in your business, I mean, that's also just a freaking crazy equity multiplier. Dude, one thing you said that was really interesting to me that just kind of like shifted the way I think about real estate is you said it's just like any other business. Like I understand how to generate and create more revenue within my barbershop, like my barber school, my coaching program, but I never viewed real estate through that lens of just you're expanding your business to generate more revenue and cash flow. And I never looked at it like that. I think I was just like, overcomplicating it and like thinking about it like property to property to property and like how much work every property is going to be. But it's like, yeah. it sounds like you guys use a, a system that's probably like, correct me if I'm wrong. You guys probably have a system or multiple systems that are like repeatable that you guys can just replicate over and over again, that yeah, make exactly. this process faster and easier. Yeah. And it's funny that you mentioned that, like, you're overcome. I think it's like you're such an entrepreneur that like the way you're thinking about it was like the the the, the actual the actually chill easy way, right? And then you're kind of flipping it now, like oh yeah, I'm an entrepreneur. Like I should be thinking of like a business, and that's making it easier for you. Yeah, but I think that's just kind of a funny observation. But um, yeah, so it is it it is a business, man. I mean, like think about it. Like every property you buy, it's like bringing on a new employee. Mm -hmm. It's gonna help you right? But you have to invest into that employee. Uh, you have to invest in a property, right, to make it to make it up to speed to get you revenue, more revenue. And by getting more revenue for the business, you're making your your company more profitable. You're making more revenue you get from you know your your properties. You're making your equity more profitable. 
of your of your portfolio. So it is exactly the same. I love real estate because it's allowed me to become a better entrepreneur because it is it's like a really dip your toe in way to like get into entrepreneurship without like having to run a full on business yet. But it teaches you a lot of that that same things, right? And like it, the principles, very principles. Yeah. It's still managing people. It's still like you know operating your P and Ls. How do I increase revenue? How do I decrease costs? Right? And like you're constantly doing that. Um, and your equity multiple is the same thing, right? So instead of an equity multiple of EBITDA, for example, on a company, for us, it's on cap rate, right? And NOI. So it's the same type of situation, literally the same thing, just different maybe acronyms you can use. Yeah. Yeah. It's, man, that just like literally changed the way I view real estate like completely, which is good. It's good. Yeah. Um. So someone, if someone right now is listening and they're interested in getting help or they want to look into what that, or they want to see what that looks like, where can they find you? Yeah. You can just find me on, uh, you can go to zencoastuniversity.com. That's our website. Um, and, or you can just find me on Instagram or Facebook. You can DM me. I'm, I'm on there. So, you know, just find me Calvin Shin REI is my handle. So, uh, Instagram is probably the easiest way. So happy to connect with anyone and everyone. They have questions, just DM me and, you know, always happy to help out. Cool, man. Well, we're like right, right at about an hour. Is there anything else, like one final thought that you have that you might want to leave everyone with? If anyone's on the fence or like they know that they want to do real estate, they just don't know how, like. I'll even go more general than that. Not even real estate, but just like, okay. if you're on the fence of just like trying to do something about this, right? Like we are all going to die at one point of our lives. How do you want to be remembered, right? Do you want to be remembered on your deathbed knowing that you went out and at least tried to do something, even if you failed or be that person that didn't try because you were too scared, right? So, you know, I know my answer. You guys have to, you know, choose yourself what your answer is going to be. But for me, like we have one life, go live it to the fullest, go do the things that at least attempt the things that you're going to have a life that you're proud of at the end of it. And that's it. Boom. Mic drop. That's a yeah, great way to end this peace out. episode. <laughs> Mic drop. Peace out. Calvin's gone. <laughs> yeah. All right, guys. So thank you guys for tuning in and thank you, Calvin, very much for delivering so much value today. Um, if you guys have any questions for Calvin, go over to his website, go to his Instagram, hit him up. He's a super cool dude. And I genuinely think that he will put you on the path that you want to be on. If real estate is the avenue that you want to take to financial freedom by using your income from cutting hair or your barber shops. 